thank you for your goodness. We thank you, Father, for your love and for your mercy unto us. Father, we pray that in the name of Jesus, you would open up our eyes to see and our ears to hear what you would say to us today. That, Father, we thank you that the anointing is not contingent upon what we feel, but the anointing is contingent upon your purposes in our lives. So, Father, we just stir the anointing of God upon us, that we uh, that the, the, the anointing that makes preaching and teaching easy. Not only preaching and teaching easy, but, Lord, the anointing that makes learning and responding easy as well. Father, we thank you for what you are about to deposit into this house. We glorify you for that, and we do it by faith. In Jesus' name, everyone in agreement said amen. amen. Put your hands together and give God praise before you are seated. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's say this. Would you uh, say this with me? Say, I am alive. alive. Say, I am awake. awake. Say, I am alert. alert. Say, my heart and mind mind are ready to receive from the Lord. Say, my identity is about to be further revealed. Say, my self-esteem is about to increase. Say, my spirit is about to be stretched. Say, my father is revealing himself to me through his word. Say, the word of the Lord is about to transform me, my identity into Christ. Amen. You may be seated. I'm going to do a, uh, a kind of a quick review of what we've been dealing with all year um, and really get into some new things. I, I really, like I said, wanted to, I kind of waffled back and forth on how we were going to do this, but I'm just going to follow the Lord. Is that all right? Amen. So, so what we've been dealing with this year, uh, our theme for this year, 2020, is I Am Revealed, and we are looking deeply uh, this year at Identity Theology. Uh, we're going to begin to unwrap and um, discover another layer of our identity uh, to empower us through hurdles that prevent us from becoming the best version of ourselves. And, and let me just pause right there because I, I kind of want to give us an understanding when we say best version of ourselves. We're not talking about being an upgraded version or a better you. The best version of yourself is Christ likeness. <laughs> I'm getting into that in just a little bit. Uh, we're going to break new ground in understanding our identity, and then we're going to come into a better grip of our gifts, talents, and our assignments. The reason we are calling this Identity 2.0 uh, is because in 2016, we ministered a series entitled Identity, where we ministered messages with the title such as Me versus We. And then we looked at DNA, which stands for Destiny networks and associates the third one was i am from bethlehem and the fourth message is i am which is self-explanatory so let me do a review of what we've been discussing in week number one we dealt with the voice of identity everyone say the voice of identity, identity. and my assignment in week one was to identify uh, a primary and often unrecognized source of our identity, and that is our voice. And how do we properly respond to that? And the context and the template that we used in week number one was found in 1 Corinthians chapter number 14, verse number 10. that says, there are, it may be, so many kinds of voices in the world and none of them without signification. And we, we looked at how there are three words that are connected to voices, that being words. Everyone say words. Everyone say hearing. hearing. 
or ears. And everyone say response. That's the, those are the three things that are connected to voices. I, I dealt with the fact that our identity was stolen from us by what we heard. According to Genesis chapter number three, if we were to examine it, we're not going to examine it now. Uh, Adam and Eve abdicated who they were based upon who, who, not only who they listened to, but also by what the serpent said. So they responded and came into agreement with what they heard. Everyone say, I understand that. And then we concluded in John chapter number 10, uh, when Jesus said these words, uh, verse number 25 through 28, and he answered them and told them, you believed me and the works that I do in my father's name, they bear witness of me. But you do not believe me because you are not my sheep. As I said unto you, verse 27, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. He made a very clear distinction uh, uh, in regards to his voice in our response. Verse 28, and he says, and I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. In week number two, I dealt with the subject of breaking free from an identity crisis. How many were here in week number two? Very, very good lesson. We had a good time. Uh, and this particular week, my assignment was to give us strength strategies and insights concerning how to be liberated from our identity crises. And my template in week number two was found in Numbers chapter number 13, verses uh, 25 through 33. Not going to read that, but in essence, what we see here is that God had given the children of Israel a commandment. He had given them a promise. He had given them land. And there was 12 spies that went out to spy out this land, but only two came back with a good report. The, the problem was found in verse number 33 when it says that we see ourselves as grasshoppers. They were having an identity crisis. And I opened up this particular week's message by, by, by quoting to us James chapter 1 verse 8 where it says a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Now keep in mind, being double-minded does not mean that you change your mind on your outfits or change your mind on the kind of car you want. But being a double-minded man literally means that you are living from two sources, that, you, that your spirit has been split. So depending upon what you want to do, you're going to listen to this source. And depending upon what you want to do in this arena, you're going to listen to this source. And these are the people who are inconsistent, who are flaky because they are living from two places. And when we are having an identity crisis, we are literally vacillating from two streams of truth. Well, actually one stream of truth to uh, another stream called deception and falsehoods. So uh, uh, can you turn me up just a little bit, please? And so our identity crisis is this. I'm going to give you the shortened version. It is a conflict between the truth of your identity and the expression of your identity. And I told us that, that God designed us to participate in his glory. This is why having an identity crisis is so offensive to God because he invites us to have his character, to have his identity, to be partakers of his nature. Okay, so let me give you the four things that we dealt with, uh, the, the strategies. Number one, if you want to get out of an identity crisis, you must make a decision. Everyone say a decision. A decision, a decision to live by the word of God. 
That is to say, uh, your feelings, our feelings, my feelings, everyone's feelings will change and vacillate from moment to moment. It's a part of who you and I are as a human being that we have feelings, but we cannot live by how we feel. Everyone say that. Say, I cannot live by how I feel. Number two, you have to watch your company. This is the minority report. I told you that God had instructed Moses to send out 12 spies, but only two came back with a good report. If you're going to live free from an identity crisis, you cannot surround yourself with people who are also schizophrenic and don't know who they are. And I said amen to that. Number three, you have to become a traffic guard. What does that mean? You have to begin to to guard the traffic in your mind. Let me help you. Every thought that you think is not your thought. (laughs) Everything that comes to your mind was not originated from your soul. And how come I thought it? Because you didn't traffic your mind. You just say, "Uh uh-uh, nope, I'm not thinking that. Okay, you need Bible. The Bible says, bringing every thought into what? Captivity. Unto what? The obedience of Christ. So that means that everything that comes to your mind is not you. Number four, watch your mouth. Everyone say, watch your mouth. Watch your mouth. I think uh, uh, Sister Marcia dealt with this on Wednesday. I apologize. I was not here at all this week. But, but she was dealing with it, and this particular thing is when we talk about watching our mouth, we're talking about coming into agreement with God. That you might be struggling internally, but even if you're struggling, just be quiet. That's one of the most valuable lessons that I've learned. When I am on the struggle bus, I just need to be quiet. When you can't, when you can't muster the strength to say what God says, or if you are confused and don't know what God is saying, just be quiet. Because why is it important? Because you and I live by what we say. Death and life is in the power of the tongue. And when we open our mouths to something, we give it legal access to have reign or rule in our life. So when we say things like, I'll always be rich, or excuse me, see, that just came out of my spirit. Amen. I will always be rich. But when we say, but when we say things like, I will always be poor, I will never get better. It is what it is. Oh, well. And when we take on that victim mentality, we are, listen, our spirits hear what we are saying and it begins to align with us. And then we say, and then we wonder why, how come nothing ever happens right for me? Because you keep saying that. You've not given something right, get legal access in your life. I know you're just quiet because you're thinking so hard. What have I been saying? Or either your toes hurt so bad you have nothing else to say. If it hurts that bad, just say amen. Amen. Come on, somebody. Say amen. Amen. You got to watch your mouth. You can't can't say however you want to, just whatever you want to say. Amen, somebody. All right. That's good, BT3. Thank you, sir. Amen. All right. And last week, my wife and I did a discussion. How many were here last week? That was fun. It was really, really good. Prophet Keisha got to jump out of her chair last week. She's like, hey, man, yes, I will. <laughs> but we dealt with evolution and identity within relationships. My wife and I were up here, and we were talking about, we were talking about how, 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 how that in each stage of your life, in each season of your life, 
you and I have to evolve into something different. And that even in, in our singlehood, we talked about singlehood, and I was about on my way to be a Pentecostal playboy. Y'all remember that, y'all? <laughs> Got so many responses about that. You're like, not you. Oh, yes, me. And so forth and so on. It was really, really good. Everyone say today. So today I was, I was just kind of like, okay, how do I want to do this? Because I wanted to do a kind of workshop style. But then Prophet Carver did a workshop Friday night that I heard was the, the bomb.com. And so I'm like, nah, I don't want to workshop us twice. So I'm going to just kind of toggle back and forth. Is that all right? That works. Okay. So today I'm going to be dealing with aligning your identity zones. And Sister Crystal is going to pass out a worksheet because I know everybody brought their binder with them to church today. Amen. We're talking about aligning our identity zones. And uh, my assignment today is to help bring us into alignment and agreement with God about who and what we do. All right. So, so again, I want to set the expectations. I'm, I'm going to toggle back and forth between Apostle Moore and Professor Moore. Is that all right? I'm going to kind of treat you like I'm in a, 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 a workshop, but then I'm going to come back and zone in. On, it'll, it's going to be Sunday morning. So I might go, yeah, and then I might go, okay, now turn and write this down. Okay? So just be nimble with me. Be, that's a part of our core values is flexibility, isn't it? All right. So, so Sister uh, Crystal is passing, passing out uh, our worksheets. And what I want you to do is to write and listen at the same time. How many can chew gum and walk at the same time? Amen. Shariah's back there. Yep, I got a sucker in my mouth and I'm listening to you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're going to walk and chew gum at the same time today. We're going we're gonna to write, we're going to listen, we're going to respond, we're going to do all this. And I want to really engage your ability to think. Remember, this series and this year is literally about unmasking and uncovering different zones and layers of your identity. This is some new information. Uh, I, was, I was studying, I was praying, I was listening to a woman that got ministered, and the Lord was just kind of just kind of took me away from what she was saying and took me to this. So um, today's going to be really, really good. So I'm gonna, today I'm going to give you four zones of our identity. Four zones. Everyone say four zones. Four zones. So uh, you know me, I'm definition guy. What is a zone? A, a zone, uh, brothers and sisters, is a territory, a substratum designed uh, or distinguished for a purpose. That's what a zone is. It, is. it is a territory or substratum designed or distinguished for a purpose. Let me give you an example of this. If you are about to uh, lease a building, build a building, build a house, before they begin to build, before you can sign the lease, that area has to, first of all, be zoned for the purposes of which you are trying to, uh, to build. Every land is not created equal. So what the city does is they have to give you permits, and, it, and, and literally land has to be zoned for a particular purpose. For an example, uh, we're, we're in, a, in a district, I can't remember the, exactly how it is zoned, but when the restaurants near us wanted to sell uh, uh, alcoholic beverages, they had to knock on our door and say, is that okay if they do that? Because they know as a church, we have children. And so they have, to, they have to ask that. And so what a zone does, pay attention, is it is set apart for a purpose. Everyone say it's set apart for a purpose. It is set apart for a purpose. And I want you to understand that there are four 
areas in our lives that God has set apart that will help us to understand our identity better. Are y'all are y'all awake? Walk and chew gum. So our goal today is to bring all those zones into alignment so that we can begin to live in the God zone. All right. So we're going to take all those zones, all those areas of purpose concerning our identities so that they can be in alignment and in agreement so that we can live in God's in in the God zone. Does that make sense to you? So, of course, who better to look at than at Jesus? Okay, so we're going to look at Jesus as our template today. And, And Jesus made statements that show us the best example of what happens when our identity zones are aligned. I'm getting excited already. Everyone say zone one. Zone one is time. The first zone of your identity is time. Everyone say time. Time. Where do we see this with Jesus? We see this in Galatians chapter number four. Verse 4 and 5, the Bible says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, verse 5, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. John chapter 7, verse 8, write this down. Jesus made this statement. He says, You go up to the feast. I am not going up to this feast for my time has not yet come. So Jesus is our template as it relates to the time zone of our identities. He gives us these understandings of what it means to have your time zone in alignment. Okay. So what does this look like for us? Do, do we not have it up, up here? Okay. All right. Just pay attention to me. They'll deal with it. Okay. So, so what does this look like for us? When we say time, we're talking about, please pay attention to this. We're talking about manifestation, development, and maturation. What does time look like for us concerning our identity? We're talking about manifestation, development, (laughs) and maturation. And this, brothers and sisters, is where I pull in the, the, the sixth identity theology pillar. Okay? Which says this. Our identity was determined before our birth. I'm getting excited. That's Jeremiah chapter 1, verse number 5. Bump somebody next to you and say, timing Timing. is everything. everything. Say it again. Say, timing Timing. is everything. Say it one more time. Say, timing Timing. is everything. everything. When you begin to mature in who you are, you understand that there is a specific time for certain things to manifest in your life. That is to say that if God gave you all the blessings that he's ever going to bless you with in your lifetime, in the first 10 years of your life, you could not handle it. More specifically, I want you to understand that we were <laughs> that we came here through time sensitivity. Where, where, do you, where, do you, where do you get that from, Apostle? Why, why, why are you saying that? Because I, I think I told you last week. That, that all of us were born winners. 
There was literally millions of potential ewes that your father was carrying. Right? But not, on, but not only that, but here's the other thing about that. There was only certain times of the month that your mother was ready to receive that seed. Wake up, y'all. So what that means then is that God had it in his heart, in his mind, and on the timetable of eternity for that exact moment for you to manifest. And if you don't understand this as it relates to your identity, you will you will bemoan your existence. Oh, I hate that I'm so old. Oh, I hate that I'm so young. Oh, I hate that I was born in this time period. No, you need to understand that God had you in his mind from before time began. You're right on time. Your age is perfect. <laughs> Everyone say timing is everything. Not only do we see it this from this perspective, but Psalms 31 verse 15, the psalmist said, my times are in your hand. Which, which means then that the seasons of life that we go through are not depicted or determined by the circumstances that we go through. God, please. I, see, I, I feel preachy, but I'm trying to be in seminary. See, see, I want you to see this, that whatever you and I go through, it's not simply because of circumstance. I, I was talking to somebody today, and, and it's interesting. Please watch this. It's interesting. I, okay, I, I'm a pastor. I, I've, been in, I've, been in, I've been in ministry for 20-some-odd years, 20-some-odd, 90% of some of y'all's life and longer. And I live in the realm of ministry. So there are certain conversations that I have that some of y'all be like, this is so boring. I don't understand what you're talking about. Blah, 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 blah. But I was talking to someone earlier this week and I was saying to them, I said, you know what? I've come to understand is that while we are looking at uh, apostle so-and-so and bishop so-and-so and pastor this or that and the other. And we're going, man, I'm doing those same strategies and we're trying to do this and we're doing the same things that they're doing. I come to understand it's not necessarily about what you're doing or not doing. It's a matter of the timing of God. Okay, you know, let me let me help you. Some of us get frustrated looking at certain people. I wish I could have what they have. I wish I could do what they do. I wish I was somewhere, this, that, and the other. And brothers and sisters, it's not sometimes a matter of you doing something wrong as much as it is the timing of God. See, God has, God has measured your steps. Remember, the steps of a good man are what? Ordered by the Lord. And if God gave you what you think you want right now, it would destroy you. So that means you and I have to understand that his times, are, our times are in his hands. Where else do we see this in Galatians chapter 6 verse 9? It says, and let us not grow weary in doing well. For in due season, everyone say due season. We will reap if we do not faint or give up. Everyone say due season. This is the Greek word for kairos. And let, can, I, can I help you here? Because when we think of kairos, we think of some magical moment that just happens, right? But what the Lord shared with me is that kairos moments come when the environment is right. Why do I say that? Because he says, do not grow weary in doing well, for in due season you will reap. Which means then that my reaping meant that there was something that I planted. 
Which means then that if I'm reaping something, I had, I had expectation before I came into it. And my due season, my Kairos moment, pay attention, I can't tell you exactly when that seed is going to come up. But I can tell you that I put the work in for that seed to come up. Oh, Y'all see this? So, so, so what happens is we get frustrated because we're looking for this Kairos moment. We're looking for this big bang moment, right? Oh, it's going to happen one day. Whoa. But we have not watered that seed. We have not put that seed in a place where sun can shine on it. And so we get frustrated with the timing of God because we have not responded according to what he has said in the previous season. Everyone say, God, help me with my time. I, I got to give you this because this is another revelation the Lord gave me. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, the Bible says, for now we walk by faith and not by sight. Time, faith is a matter of your timing. Oh, I want you to watch this. Okay. So it says, we walk by faith. I'm about to help y'all with y'all's faith. Are y'all ready? I know y'all can't see my feet. Let me get back up here. So we walk by faith. So when we are walking, what do we do? There is one foot up while the other one is down. There is one foot up while the other one is down. There is one foot up while the other one is down. So what he was saying to me is that as we walk by faith, we are going from one faith move to the other. There's a level, watch this, there's a, there's, it's a split moment, but you literally are on one foot when you are walking. Right. So what he's saying is, when we are walking by faith, it is a matter of taking steps towards faith. I don't know what's about to happen, but I trust them in the last season. I'm, I'm taking a step of faith. So faith is a matter of my obedience and my trust. And as I am walking by faith, watch this, I am being syncopated and synchronized with the timing of God. This makes sense to you. <laughs> That's zone one. Everyone say zone one is timing. It's time. Y'all ready for zone two? You ready for zone two? Zone two is selfdom. We want to say selfdom. It is a word. I did not make it up. You can Google it. You can put dictionary.com. Selfdom. Everyone say selfdom. Where did Jesus identify selfdom? Remember, he's our template. Jesus said in John 14 and 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Acts chapter 10, verse 38, the Bible says this to us, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. And he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Jesus made, I, I believe it's seven I am statements. I'm not going to give you the verse, I'm going to run through this. But he said, I am the bread of life, John chapter 6. He says, I am the light of the world, John chapter 8. 
He says, I am the door to the sheep, John chapter 10. He says, I am the resurrection and the life, John chapter 11. He says, I am the good shepherd, John chapter 10. Again, we just read it in 14, John chapter 14. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then he also said, I am the true vine. So what is he sharing with us as it relates to the zone of selfdom? Is he was self-aware. He was not afraid to tell you who he was. <laughs> he understood who the father had made him to be. I am the bread of life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. When we ask you who you are, you give us your name. <laughs> but I'm trying to push us into greater alignment when we understand not just what people call us or what our mom or dad named us, but, but are you able to make I am statements? I am Benjamin. No, that's your name. Just when somebody said, who are you? So what does this look like for us? Say, Apostle, I'm not Jesus. Okay, I, fair enough. But when we say selfdom, we're talking about your personality, your character, and your individuality. That's the second zone. Is, is, is a part of your identity coming into agreement is you've got to be able to define who you are. Your character, your personality, and your individuality. <laughs> so, so what does this look like for us? Help me hear Holy Ghost. You are not going to know who you are separate from the Holy Spirit. John chapter 3 verse 5 and 6 and 7. And Jesus answered and said, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Verse 7. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. So a part of making sure that your identity zones are in alignment necessitates that you be filled with the Holy Ghost and that you be born again. Because remember, what is the first pillar? Your identity is what found within the context and in the word of the father. And if you are not filled with his spirit, how then can you be formed by his likeness? Where else do we see this? In Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. The apostle said, I, am, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. Oh. So I'm, I'm dead? Yes. You were crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. But I'm still alive. Yes. So the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by what? Faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So, so I'm confused, apostle. So, so I was crucified, but he gave himself for me. Yes. Both of that. Bad English, but you, you get it. Which meant now. That the life that you and I are living, the 130 years, the, the 85 years, the however long you live on this earth, that life is to be lived through the filter of Christ. It is no longer you who is living. So that means that selfishness, help me here, Holy Ghost, 
has no space and no room in your life. Uh-oh, my mic died. I felt, I felt something happen. I felt the devil creeping up on me. All right. So, so it has no room in your heart or in your life. Everyone say selfishness, selfishness. is not a part of who I am. So, so, so where else do we see this? In Romans chapter 6, verse 4. He says, we were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death. <laughs> why do you keep talking about death? You know why? Because I don't want to be the person that I was without Christ. Maybe you do, and that's your business. I hope you get saved and delivered. But I don't want to be the Benjamin that was without Christ. Because the Benjamin without Christ, bad, bad person, weak person disempowered person that that Benjamin you don't want to know him that Benjamin you don't want to have anything to do with him so watch what he says in Romans chapter 6 verse 4 for we were buried therefore with him by what baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the father we too might walk in the newness of life so the second zone of your identity requires that there be a newness of life. That you are not fighting and competing to have your own way. Number three. I, I, see, I see what I got to do. Number three. Everyone say zone number three. Is your expression. Again, where do we see this? With Jesus, we see this in Matthew 20, verse 28. It says, even as the Son of Man cannot, came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Luke chapter 19, verse 10. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. So what is he, what is he saying to us? He is saying to us, then what does this look like for us? This looks like when we talk about expressions, we're dealing with our gifts, our talents, and our service. When we're talking about the zone of zone three, which is zone of expression, we're talking about our gifts, our talents, and our, and our service. In other words, we're talking about how do you express who you are? I want you to write this down. Proverbs 16, verse 3. You might need a bucket here. Because Proverbs 16 and verse 3 says this. Commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. Oh, Jesus. Commit your what? Work to the, to the man. To your dreams, to the Lord, and your plans will be what? Established. So what he's saying is, is, as my life begins to align itself with who God has made me to be, there is going to be a level of stability that comes to me because my work has been committed to God. Lord, help me, please. I'm trying not to be shady and petty right now. Because there are so many people in the kingdom who are up and down and in and out 
and schizophrenic and bipolar and I don't know and I do know and I, I'm called to the nations but I can't even get out of bed and oh my me the devil's going to kill me and those individuals have not made a decision to commit their works unto the Lord God, please help me right here. See, I, I, I'm trying to bring you out of that out of that pattern uh, of dysfunction. God, help me. I'm trying to bring you out of that pattern of, of just mania. I'm trying to bring you out of that and let you know as soon as you make a decision to be committed to the work of God, God will make things happen for you. As soon as you make a decision, my life belongs to him. I'm going to give him all I have. Lord, take my money. Take my talent. Take my expression. Lord, I want, I want my life to exemplify what you gave me. God will make sure that you're good. Try not to be preachy here. Watch this. Verse 12. I'm excuse me. Chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Verse 7 says, watch this. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. So do not tell me that you don't have a gift or a talent or something to contribute. Because if you say that, you are calling the word of God a lie. And I'm going to believe the word over you. And it may be you have not discovered it, but I need you to begin to excavate the, 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 your soul and say, what talents do I have? Now, see, this is okay. I hear this because a problem with it is some of us have been so churched to death. We feel like our gifts and talents are only in church are only to be used in the sanctuary. But I just believe that God has anointed people to become millionaires and to have lots of money and lots of influence and lots of impact outside of the sanctuary. Mm. Verse 7, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit, watch this, for the common good. Can I tell you why some of us are struggle busing? Because we don't understand that what lies within us is not for us. Can you bump somebody and say it's not about you? Come on, bump somebody and say it's not about you. Come on, tell somebody who's sleeping and say it's not about you. See, we think that our gifts and our talents are for people to look upon us and go, I'm so great, look at me. I can sing effortlessly. No, sir. No, ma'am. You're great because the Bible says those who are greatest among you will be your servants. Y'all don't hear me. See, no, 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 no. God put greatness on you so that you can help somebody else along the way. You don't have all the gifts of the spirit. You ain't Jesus Christ. And so God will put him, watch this, y'all. He will segment himself and separate himself and distribute himself over all humanity and say, I need y'all to link up because when y'all link up and everybody understands who they are and their gifts and their talents, you can see a better picture of who I am. Just bump somebody and say, you need me. Tell somebody else who's sleeping to say, you ain't all that either, though. 
<laughs> Shoot, you need me. And guess what? And I need you. <laughs> Look at what Jesus said in Matthew 22. Oh, I feel it ramping up. Y'all sleep on me, but it's okay. I'm feeling good to myself. This is helping me. Ooh, see, deliverance is happening. Watch this. Verse 37. And he said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind. This is a part of your expression zone. That whatever you have, whoever you are, that you commit that to the Lord. Everyone say, I understand that. We're going to look at now the, the fourth zone. I'm, I'm wrapping this up. I'm bringing the plane in just a little bit. The fourth zone. I've got a little bit of work to do after this fourth zone. But the fourth zone is this. Is your roles. It is your roles. It is zone four. Remember, Jesus is our template. So what did Jesus say about his role? Glad you asked. He said this in John 10 verse 7. And Jesus began and said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. He said in John 10, 27, he says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. First John chapter four, verse number 14. And we have seen and testify that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. What is he talking about? He's saying, I know my role. I know how I am to relate to everybody around me. I am the door to the sheep. I am to those who believe on me. I am eternal life. But to those who don't believe me, I am an offense, a stumbling block. What is he saying? I know who I am and how I am to relate to those that are around me. That's a part of you walking in your identity is knowing your role in people's lives. You are, I am, I am the husband of one wife. That's it and that's all. There is one person on this earth that can expect me or hold me to the standard of husband. That is Lisa Michelle Moore. What I'm trying to get you to see is you are not everything to everybody. Oh, Jesus. And when you and I try to act like we are everything to everybody, it again will get us into a, what? an identity crisis. That when the truth of your identity is not in alignment with what God is trying to express through you. But because you don't know your role in their life, you will become something that you're not. So what does this look like for us? So if Jesus understood his role, if he understood who he was, our roles look like, how do you and I connect and relate? Who are you to this person? Who are you to this person? How do you react and respond to this person? Is this person a, 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 a priority that God has made? Listen, you, you don't have to treat everybody the same way. <gasps> what do you mean by that? I'm not saying not to love them. I'm not saying not to show godliness unto them. What I'm saying is everybody does not warrant the same level of expression of you. Yeah. Yeah. 
I'm going to working on you with me. Come on, let it work on you. Think about that for a moment. Come on, think about that for a moment. Jesus, Jesus, who is our, who is our template, who is our role model, he says, listen, my sheep know my voice. They know me, I know them, they follow me. You are not my sheep. And I'm not talking about being weird and strange and uppity and separatist and isolate. I don't, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But you and I have to understand each role that we play in the life of another. Watch this. When you get married, the Bible says that you cleave to your spouse and you forsake. I leave mama and daddy. So our roles are changing and mutating based upon this new season in my life. Y'all get the principle. So, so when mama can tell me to come home and do this and that and the other and I'm your mama, guess what, mama? I have wife. I love you, mama, always will, but you're, not, you're no longer my first priority. See, I feel like I'm hitting somebody. I will always be your mama. I'm your daddy. Yeah, you are. Thank you, daddy. But I got husband now. You gave, remember you gave me away to him at the altar? Well, that, that's just symbolic. No, 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 no. In, in the mind of God, that's how it works. See, and I'm trying to get you to see that, that when we get our, our zones together in alignment, we can begin to live in a God zone. Oh. Woo, I'm about to help y'all. Galatians chapter 6, verse 10. Watch this. So then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those of the household of faith. What's he doing? He's talking about our roles and our connection to one another. Romans chapter 12, verse 9 and 10. Watch what he says. Let the, he says, let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Watch this, verse 10. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. I think we need to do a series on honor. I, I, I really do. Because one of, the things that this, one of the things that we must do better in this house is honor. I'll pull out of that. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. Watch this. He says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Now, this is where it gets sticky. Y'all ready? Y'all ready? Matthew chapter 7, verse 6. This is where it gets sticky. Some of y'all some of y'all gonna rejoice, some of y'all gonna growl. <sighs> Matthew chapter 7, verse 6. Y'all ready? This is what Jesus said. Don't, don't blame, don't, don't stone the messenger. Do not give dogs what is holy. And do not throw your pearls before swine or pigs. Lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. What are we talking about? Rolls. He says, do not give dogs what is holy. I didn't say it. It's written in your book. It's Matthew chapter 7, verse 6. What, what are we saying? What he was saying is, you and I have got to be able to identify and distinguish who is a dog. Who, who, what is holy? Do not give what is holy. See, Lord, please. Everyone do this, please. Put your hand on yourself. I want you to understand something. You have something that is holy. Yeah. I want you to understand. You have something that is precious. And everybody does not have access to that which is holy and precious. Amen. Lord, help me. I feel it better than I'm expressing it. 
I, I want you to understand that everybody does not deserve that special part of you. He says, don't give to the swine and the dogs what is holy because they will turn and they will attack you. Okay, come on, y'all. Have you ever been in a situation where you gave your best to somebody and they took it, consumed it upon themselves, and then turned around and talked about you? Come on. Have you ever given your best to somebody and shared a secret with them or something and became vulnerable with them and then you somebody told it and you found out through 10 other people? See, I'm trying to get you to see that all of this is a part of your identity because it impacts how we relate to one another when we do not discern this is a trick, this is a trap, this is a dog, this is a pig, this is a shepherd, this is a good thing in my life. I'm almost where I want to be because pay attention to what I'm about to say. All your zones must be God filtered. <laughs> what does that mean? That means that, that, that for something to be God filtered, that means it has been refined and processed by the word and the spirit of God. So what that means, pay attention is that my time zone has been God-filtered. What that means is my, my selfdom zone has been God-filtered. What that means is my expression zone has been God-filtered. What that means is my roles zone has been God-filtered. Y'all ready for this? Now, what does that mean then? That means if my time has been God-filtered, that means that I'm walking by faith. If my time zone has been filtered by God, then that means that I am a person of patience. If my time zone has been filtered by God, that means I trust him with the seasons over my life. This is helping you. So, so that means that I have to surrender to God this zone of my life called time. That means you don't have the, the, the you don't own your time anymore. That means that a new season requires another response. That means you're not going to be able to do what you did in this year that you did last year, or less last year will look like. Everyone say, I'm time zoned and God filtered. What does this mean for your selfdom zone? This means you are Holy Ghost filled. And that you are allowing the Holy Ghost to work on your character. When your self, selfdom zone has been God filtered, that means you are submitted. You have submitted your will unto him. I feel this by the spirit. That's the reason why we have the most struggle. Is because we're wrestling against God. I don't want to. You're going to. Do this. No, but okay. But no. But do I have to? And it creates identity crises. You know why? Because that is sin. Whenever you and I are not walking according to faith, we're walking in sin. Uh-oh. There's that three-letter S word. 
When we decide to do contrary to God, that is sin. And sin initiates an identity crisis. Why? Because it's against our born again nature. Yeah. <laughs> what does our expressions God filtered look like? That means that we are operating in the gifts of the spirit. Where we are using our gifts and our talents. Watch this. To bless God and bless others. That, that you are not using your gifts and your talents for nefarious reasons. That, that you are not using your gift of gab to get what you want out of people for the wrong way. What that means is he can have my gifts, my talents, my expressions. Because listen, I understand that it has been given to me to profit with all. You want to say it's got to be God filtered. Oh, I feel to stay here because you take your gift and your talent and you just want to use it for for money making schemes. And God is saying, can I can I can I have a return on my investment? Well, I, I can say, see, Lord, help. I'm about to say something and just get, get offended. Please don't. But I know it's going to offend some of some of us. But if you look at some of our top R&B pop rapping people. Where were they birthed? So you're using that gift to tell people to shake it fast and to bring them into perversion and to draw them into lust? When God gave you that gift and that talent to expand the kingdom and not pad your pockets, you need to repent. See, Lord, help me here because I'm trying to be good because I want you to understand that the kingdom would be so much further advanced if these people that we go to and spend 80, 50, $100 for their concert, but we tip God with $5, if they would submit their gift to the kingdom of God, well, we wouldn't have droughts in Zimbabwe. Y'all don't hear me. If they would submit their gifts and their talents to God the way that they're supposed to, then we would not be suffering in the church the way that we are because people with influence and money can stand up and say, to God be the glory for the things that he has done. Lord, help me. Help me. Help me. Oh, help me, Holy Ghost. Because we need to be gripped with the fact that whatever God has gifted you with does not belong to you. You are not put on this earth to be a blessing to yourself. What am I going to do? God will take care of you, but you have to make sure you take care of him. I'm almost where I want to be. I'm almost done. So what does what does what does the roles in my life God filter? What does that look like? That means the roles that you have in your life are godly. The relationships are mutually beneficial and healthy. Don't don't answer this out loud. But how many toxic toxic relationships are you in? Don't answer this out loud. But 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 what is the health of the roles that you play in the life of other people? 
Are you in a one-sided relationship where everybody just takes, 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 and does not give back to you? Because I submit to you, brothers and sisters, that's not giving God glory if you're being drained. Oh, Jesus. See, see, because because all of these things, watch this, point back to identity. People get into bad relationships because they don't know who they are. People allow other people to step on them and treat them any kind of way because they don't have a good self-esteem. Because people uh, allow themselves to be taken advantage of because they don't value themselves. And what I'm trying to get you to see is that when you begin to align all of these zones, your time, yourself, your expressions, and your roles, you can begin to live in a God zone. Help, 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 help us, help us, help us, help us. So, so what does this mean when we're not living our zones, God filtered? That means as it relates to our time, we are impatient. We are walking in delay because of fear and doubt and anxiety. What does that mean as it relates to ourself? That, that means that we are we're, that we're operating with a low self-esteem. It means that we are walking in rebellion. It means that we're not Holy Ghost filled. What does it mean when our, our zones are not God filtered? It means as an expression we're using, again, we're not using our gifts in the way that God intended for us to use them in. And as our roles, we're in toxic relationships. Because our God-filtered zone, pay attention, our God-filtered zones, rather, pull us into a God zone. When you allow your time, your selfdom, your expressions and your roles to be God-filtered, it will pull you into God's zone. What is a God zone? I'm almost done. It is the space where God lives and orchestrates his will and his agenda in your life. When all these zones are in alignment, when your time zone, your selfdom zone, your expression zone, and your role zone are operating in alignment and they are synchronized, You can live in a space where God lives and he will begin to orchestrate his will and his agenda in your life. Just by show of hands, how many want to live there? Come on. How many? Listen, I'm not saying that just to get a response. I'm talking about you want to live in a space where God's agenda and will is being accomplished in your life. I don't know about you, but I'm not talking about visiting on Sundays or Wednesday. I'm talking about I want to live there. I'm ending with this. I'm I literally I'm ending with these two verses because Jesus gives us an example of this, of what it means to live in a God zone. In John chapter five, verse 19, write this down, please. John chapter five, verse 19, he says, so Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord. But only what he sees the father doing for whatever the father does, 
the son does likewise. You know what that you know what that is? That is all of his zones in alignment with his father. I cannot do what I don't see my father doing. I am not doing whatever it is I choose to do according to my own will. I've got to check with my father first. I don't have permission to live by what I feel and by what other people are pressuring me to do. I've got to live in such a way that, that, that the synchronization of my steps, how I view myself, the gifts that I express, and the relationships and the roles that I'm in are in synchronization with the Father. And notice what he says in, in, in John chapter 10, verse 30. And I'm done. He, this is the God zone. Please pay attention to this. When you and I are able to be able to say like Jesus, and it's going to take a lifetime to get there, but we're able to say I and the Father are one. What, what he's saying is, see, this is the lifelong journey. This is what the Apostle Paul said. He says, I'm laboring that Christ be formed in you. And what I'm trying to get you to see is when we get these zones in proper alignment, no matter what God tells us, yes, Lord. No matter what God instructs us concerning our roles and relationships, yes, Lord. Whatever he tells us to do with our time and, and with our seasons, yes, Lord. Whatever he says about us personally, about our issues and about our character, yes, Lord. Whatever he says to us concerning our, 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 our expression of our gifts and our talents and our times, he says, yes, Lord. Because when we live in that yes, Lord, there's nothing that God won't do in us and for us and through us. When we live in that yes, Lord, all of those zones are in alignment with each other. And God says, I can use you no matter what time of day. You don't have to worry about anything because I know you submitted to my will and I'm going to take care of you. That's what it means to align your identity zones. When God can have every dimension of your life. Stand to your feet. I'm done. I hope that blessed you. Yes. I want you to lift your hands. Father, we bless your name this afternoon. Lord, we honor you. Your presence in this house. Lord, we adore you this afternoon. Come on, just lift up worship. Father, we repent for the disorganization of every zone of who we are. Some of us know our gifts, some of us know our talents. But our relationships are toxic. Some of us, Father, we, we, we're filled with the Holy Ghost, but we're lazy. We're out of sync in the timing. Our seasons are off. Father, for some of us, our, our roles are good. Our relationships are good. But 
but we don't know who, what, what you've given to us. We don't know our gifts and our talents. And Lord, I, I just pray in the name of Jesus that as we are worshiping you, I want y'all to worship. Come on. That you would begin to uh, align every zone of our life. Come on. Come on, worshipers. Come on, that you would begin to align, oh God, our times and our seasons, our selfdom, our expressions, our role. Lord, we, we ask for a divine alignment and a divine adjustment in the name of Jesus. That, Father, we understand that if any of those things are out of alignment, then, 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 then we're not walking in the fullness of who we are. This means business. It takes work to birth the real you. Hallelujah. It takes chiropractic adjustments. This is why, hallelujah, we dealt with reformation last year. Remember, reform means to restore and correct. And God sends reformation to bring us back into proper alignment. I sense the brokenness of the Lord coming upon this house. Come on, I want you to begin to repent. Not be condemned, but Lord, Lord, I'm sorry. Lord, I repent. Because I know who I am, but but I, but but I, but because of fear, I'm in delay. Come on, Lord, I repent because, Lord, my, my relationships are good, but, but Lord, I, I'm lazy. I don't use my time correctly. And because of that, I, I'm outside of the seasons that you would really want me to be in. But, Lord, I thank you that you're causing me to come back into alignment. Come on, y'all. Come on. I need you to begin to open your mouth. Hey. This is a part of my identity, Lord. I want every engine clicking right. Every zone should be in alignment, oh God. Where I can live in that God zone. Where I can genu genuinely say, I and the Father, we're one. We're walking together. He's talking to me, and I'm in agreement with him, and he's in agreement with me. And there's nothing that I can't accomplish with his power and his will. Come on. That's what it means to be in alignment. Nothing missing, nothing broken. Hallelujah. 